0: where isolation, humiliation and degradation are facts of life. Welcome to prison.
1: It depends who's telling the story, I suppose. The prisoners would have
2: one view. The people who work in the prison system would have another. And I think it's up to people to decide
0: uh, where the truth is.
1: Give government propaganda and the media spin doctors the flick. And check out Do Time for news, views and tunes on prison issues... From Guantanamo Bay to Christmas Island to prisons and detention centres everywhere. Every Monday at 4pm on your Community Radio 3CR.
3: We are still fired up and we're still talking about
0: revolution.
1: Hello and welcome to the Doing Time show. This is 3CR Community Radio, 855am on the dial, streaming live on www dot3cr.org.au. This is Marissa and I'll be taking you through until 5 o'clock this evening. And a warning that this episode of Doing Time may contain audio images of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people who have died and discussion of deaths in custody. First up on the show, we are going to be speaking with Ian Rintel from the Refugee Action Coalition and... It is going to be a continuation of a discussion that began last week and is indeed ongoing on the Do and Time show about, about draconian detention and looking at asylum seekers and refugees. Last week, we actually interviewed some wonderful Iranian activists, uh, these lovely women who came on the show. They're asylum seekers and they were protesting outside Claire O'Neill's Home Affairs um, Minister's office which was closed for the duration of the protest in Oakley. And that protest is continuing this week, and I'm hoping that other shows on 3CR will have coverage of this. I'm sure they will. And so we'll be speaking with Ian about um, maybe a brief look at this, but also looking at Neil Patter, who wins Visa, and it's good news. We'll be looking at him... Neil Patter and his family have been granted permanent visas, and it's welcome news, and they've been waiting since August 2012. However, even though that's doubly welcome, welcome, it came right at the end of Neil's 1,000-kilometre walk from Ballarat to Prime Minister Albanese's electorate in Sydney. And But we'll be looking at other things as well, because despite the fact that Neil Patter's permanent visa... Um, has been granted it raises the question as the permanent visas granted to the believer family as well what is the future of the other asylum seekers including people that are in the fast track system so we'll be looking at that ian uh, will explain all this and then after that we will speak with artie Jill who is also the, who is the Gallagher who is the ceo of that show and we'll be speaking with her just a little bit about health workers, a little bit about the referendum and just getting an update about what's been going on. And so now we'll be speaking with Ian.
0: You might have heard about the Community Radio Plus app, but it's only when you start
3: using it that you'll wonder how you lived without it. You can listen to us wherever you are.
1: At home, work, driving...
0: On public transport, gardening, protesting or even in the bath.
1: Just search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. And you're back with the Doin' Time show and we will now begin our first extended interview with Ian Rintel from the Refugee Action Coalition. And what I didn't say in my introduction and what I will say now is that we will also hopefully be speaking with Ian about Border Force and about Pasulo who has been a ruthless advocate of the most brutal anti-refugee border
0: protection policies. Hello, Ian.
1: Welcome to the program.
0: Yeah, hi, Marissa.
1: Lovely to have you, Ian.
0: Okay, no, thanks for having me.
1: It makes me tired, really, discussing this week after week.
0: Oh, yeah, uh, yes, 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 it is. It just grinds on and on and on. That, um, that, uh, anyway, we'll keep talking about it as long as... Uh, There are victims of uh, out there still suffering under anti-refugee policies. Absolutely. Shall we start off by
1: talking about Neil and and what's happened there?
0: No, sure. Yeah, because uh, Neil's uh, Neil's walk and his uh, getting the visa is really the background of the the Iranian women protesting outside Clara Neal's office, actually. Um, because I think when uh Neil well, Neil set off, uh you know, to do the thousand kilometer walk between being you know, Bendigo uh Ballarat, sorry, Ballarat and um uh, Albanese's office in Marrickville in uh, Sydney, uh, but he got in that process uh, just before he arrived in Sydney. Actually, he was granted the you know the permanent visa, and I think for many people who had followed the walk and he would got a lot of publicity you know along the way. But of course, um, you know many um, asylum seekers who were, in, who were in the same situation. Uh, Neil had arrived in Australia and. Two thousand and twelve uh and uh, was like so many others uh, rejected uh was existing on uh, bridging visa and then no visa you know at all uh he had a a child who was born in Australia and turned ten, so he you know had an Australian citizen child um uh, but the rest of the family was surviving on you know no visa no visa at all, so um many people uh including those people who were rejected. Uh, under fast track, uh, like most of the people outside Claire O'Neill's office were looking at what was happening with Neil, and glad to see the publicity you know, that he was getting, uh, getting for the, you know, the general plight of himself and the, uh, you know, the other 10,000 like him. So when they when he got the visa, of course, um, you know that also excited a lot of people about the possibilities of you know that protest works, um, that and Neil's visa and the success of. Neil's uh Neil, Neil's walk has um I think has certainly prompted other people, um, including the the uh the Iranians in particular. It's not just Iranians, but most of the Iranians are outside, you know, Clara Neil's, you know, office at the moment and it's had a further spin off. <laughs> There's now actually about uh, twenty uh Tamil and Iranian women who are walking from uh Ben uh, uh sorry, sorry, working working for Andrew Giles' office. Uh they're three or four days into the walk now walking from Giles office to to canberra, uh, so uh, Neil's walk has uh, really prompted a, a lot of uh, attention a lot of interest a lot of concern, and um, you know has inspired you know asylum seekers to you know start walking start protesting starting really you know thinking that it really is possible to put the put their issues in front of the wider public and in you know in front of the government in particular
1: i'm so glad that the, the connection was made. I made that connection with last week's protest because it was important.
0: Yeah, yes, yes, yes. I mean, the, and I think, I think, uh, my feeling at the moment is that the, that that the. the Protests outside our office may well go longer than this than this coming week as well. I mean, people are, are very angry and concerned, and they, they, I mean, it, we've had a couple of big protests uh, last year, you know, outside of the uh, Parliament House, and they're, they're like there were hundreds, many hundreds of asylum seekers who uh, come from around you know around Australia to make their situation very obvious to you know the Labor government. But I think the fact that we have, we saw. The, this uh, In August, we, we, the, the, we had the Labor, Labor's National Conference, but there was nothing coming out of that. All the promises that were made, all the indications that were made that perhaps there was going to be some measure taken by Labor to review the, all the people who were uh, rejected under fast track, um, that something was going to come out of the Labor Conference and nothing, and nothing did. Um, so, I think you' you know there 's a few things I think that have come to a head that people are just so very disappointed, dejected, uh, but they really at the at the end of their tether of having survived for so long on nothing um, expectations that labor might do something uh, they didn 't when they had the opportunity at the conference. Um, and then as I said, you know, Neil's walk indicated that perhaps you know, perhaps protest is the you know, the way to uh, you know, to get results and um you know, that's a point I made in the press release. It's uh it's tragic when you look at it, uh, that, you know, the Labour's been in power since May, you know, twenty twenty two, uh the Villa Wheeler family have got a visa Neil's the Neil's family have got visas, uh, but there are ten thousand other people uh, that the government could so easily grant visas to. They're quite happy to, um, you know, see them, you know, uh, work for for next to nothing during, you know, during COVID. Uh, they talk on one side of their mouth about the vulnerability of people, you know, and in, in the migration system, but, you know, on the other side of their mouth, uh, they've got ten thousand people who, you know, uh, are an underclass that they're doing nothing about.
1: Absolutely, and in fact I at the beginning of the show I talk about that and and also explain that what is the future of the ten thousand others rejected under fast track Mm -hmm. or still waiting for a decision.
0: Yeah, well, the thing is that they have no future. <laughs> that's uh, that's what that's, you know, and for many of them, you know, like, well, like with Neil, you know, that now has got, you know, a child who was born in Australia, turned 10. Um, he's been here since 2012. They're so, you know, talking about, what, 11, going on 12 years. Um, and what is their there was no future for him, which is why he set out, you know, on the walk. But for 10,000 others, there still is no future. And uh, I think it's just one of those glaring anomalies that's just gone on too long. Uh, it's pushed people too you know, too far. Uh, they've they've worked, they've paid their taxes, uh, they've now got kids that... Uh, who've had to get special permission if they've gone to public schools. You know, they've had to get permission because otherwise we're charged as international students to be able to even go to high school. Uh, they can't go to to university. People on no visas, no no right to study. People who are on bridging visas, uh, if they even if they do have the right to study, and many of them don't, uh, then they're charged as international students, which effectively precludes them from you know, study in any case. You've got people who've spent, you know, ten years here working, you know, in you know, in construction, warehouse, hospitality, retail, all the things that mattered under you know, under COVID, but they they're not allowed they can't study. They're not, not to be allowed to go to TAFE. They're not allowed to, you know, improve the skills that they had when they you know, when they come here. So you have got you've got ten thousand people that the government has simply, you know, just turned a blind eye to. Um and that's what makes, you know, the the success of the Bilo Wheeler family and neil's you know, a big success on the one hand uh, it's a big win you know but it simply highlights uh, the 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 lack of anything for the other you know the other 10,000 and what uh, to add insult to injury i mean labor recognizes that the fast track was flawed you know the policy it had going into the conference you know in august uh, recognized that the that the the fast track system was flawed and and should be abolished but they've they haven't abolished the fast-track system. People are still being processed under the fast-track system. And if there are people who, you know, came by boat, you know, tomorrow, they would be processed under the fast-track system because the government hasn't changed it. It's discrimination and
1: it's it's cruel and inhumane. And, in fact, I was speaking, actually, to a young woman last week on the show who joined um, Maggie, who's an older Iranian woman, also, the teenage daughter, and they were speaking about how, you know, the girls wanted to go to university and they can't.
0: No, that's that's right, that's right. It's, it has it has enormous implications, you know, and doesn't just stop with the fact that they're you know, on bridging visas that have to be renewed every you know, every six months with the things that it has for job or for rental, you yeah, know, but the the kids now, the the parents who came here, you know, fleeing persecution are now seeing a situation in which their children, uh, that they had such high hopes for when they came here, uh, are being now quite savagely discriminated against.
1: So rallies were planned in three capital cities, um, or are being planned. Sorry, um, in three capital cities in October to take the fight to Labor and demand justice.
0: Yes, well, and there are going to be other things I think happening in between uh, too, Marissa. Um, but yeah, the Sydney's called I uh, think on the twenty, uh, the twenty-ninth. Um, That's right yeah in uh sorry, um in sydney and in uh, and in brisbane on the you know on the twenty ninth there's an early one in uh melbourne um and on um, the uh, it's the eighth, i think it's the eight i think it's the eighth in melbourne uh so the the again i think the wider community is not you know not anywhere near sufficiently aware of you know what the labor government isn't doing. You know, for the you know for the ten thousand, uh, there's a lot of push from the the you know the refugee communities now for uh, to agitate over their over their demands. And uh, so I think, as I said, well, we've got the you know the um, the women's work walk for for freedom you know happening, and they'll get to um, Canberra in, in mid, mid in mid October, and uh, hopefully there'll be a lot of publicity. That'll generate a lot of publicity. Yeah, in the same way Neil's, you know, walk did, uh ongoing protest at uh, Clare O'Neill's office and we'll have the opportunity for the capital cities to, you know, join in that protest and uh you know push the you know the Labour Party.
1: Can you comment on uh, border policy and Pozzolo?
0: Yes, well I guess <laughs> that's just broken overnight. and um, I mean it's quite extraordinary, you know, that the text messages between um Mike Mike who's the the head of Department of Home Affairs, uh is actually the department and uh, Scott Briggs, who was a crony of you know Scott Morrison, um, and a Liberal Party power broker, and it's extraordinary the messages that have gone between Pizzullo and, and Briggs, just revealing the 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 well <laughs> the complete uh, fiction that uh Pizzullo was some kind of uh, neutral, apolitical, you know, head of uh, department, uh, giving fair and you know, sort of unbiased, by impartial advice. You know, to uh, to the government. Um, it you know, he's effectively operated as a an, an urger inside the Labour, inside the Liberal Party. Um, you know, putting forward you know proposals, slagging of off uh, you know different Liberal Party uh, ministers, uh, insisting he wanted to see a right winger take control of the you know of the uh, of home affairs. Uh, quite happy to have uh, you know Peter you know Peter Dutton. You know back um so there 's been quite extraordinary revelations i think, and and uh, he 's now been stood aside, uh, or the labor Party asked him to stand aside i mean he should be he should be sacked um, Hopefully his, his temporary his temporary standing down is just a you know a pre a prelude to him actually being sacked, but i think it 's exposed you know the the realities this guy has been an architect of border force he 's been an architect of the you know, the militarisation of uh, Operation Sovereign Borders, the militarisation of the immigration, de- you know, detention centres. Um, uh, he's been an attack dog for every bit of rotten you know, anti-refugee policy that we've seen, you know, coming out of Canberra.
1: Ian, thank you so much for making listeners aware of this. It's really important to have a look at all that background. And I'm actually going to be speaking pretty soon with Arnie Jill Gallagher from that show um, looking at health and looking at um, other things with first nations people thank you so much ian any final comments
0: no that's fine that's fine Marissa. the struggle of the first nations and the you know it's, uh, the australians are you know always always linked together so uh, yeah best best luck for that one
1: absolutely thanks a lot ian talk okay,
0: soon okay thanks bye bye thanks bye bye We'll go to the website www.booksandboots.org.au. We love a good book.
1: And you're back with a doing time show in case people have just tuned in. This is 3CR Community Radio, and we're going to be uh, speaking pretty soon with Jill from Vacho, Jill Gallagher, and we're going to be talking to her about a number of things. We spoke with her a couple of weeks ago about the age pension and about the, the cruel decision of the courts to not to grant Aboriginal people, um, you know, more of an age, you know, for, for them to have the pension younger, given that there's been a high life expectancy. And I really enjoyed talking to Jill so much about lots of things. And I'm having her back now because I wanted to talk to her about... Um, health workers, Aboriginal health and before I I do speak with Jill though I want to just explain yet again that the Do and Time show is a place where people feel safe to come and talk about their concerns and that includes everybody but I do have a very special place for First Nations people and we do a lot of work on Aboriginal deaths in custody And there has been a lot of coverage about the referendum, and as much as possible, I have stuck to the brief of the show, looking at human rights and looking at deaths in custody and also health. Hi, Jill. Welcome to the program. Hi,
2: and thank you for having me back.
1: It's really great having you back, and I am having you back because you've done a lot of grassroots work. And I know that there's been a lot of media conferences um, and you've had the the Europe report coming out, haven't you, as well? Yep. Um, I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about health workers and how they believe that The Voice will have a positive impact on the health and wellbeing of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Okay.
2: Well, as you know, that we had a uh, launch, um, the Sunday just gone yesterday, um, at CoHealth, and it was a launch celebrating, um, a survey that Bacho did right across Australia, uh, with health workers. And that includes, um, nurses, um, doctors, um, Cancer Council Victoria, um, at Included a whole range of health professionals who helped us out and filled out the survey because we wanted to understand whether health uh, clinicians were aware one of the voice um, and two, do they believe we would have better health outcomes if we had if we had empowerment in this country. Um, so um, the voice survey, 80% of Aboriginal. Workers, health workers, increased um, involvement in Aboriginal health policy. It, anyway, it, it was a great survey, and we got a good feedback. And we had on Sunday health professionals stand behind that show, not so much stand behind us, stand with us um, in supporting a yes vote to the upcoming referendum. So we, as First Nations people, can have a voice to Parliament and have it enshrined in the Constitution. Um, now, uh, Marissa, I'm not sure whether you want me to talk about specific health benefits.
1: Absolutely. Go ahead. OK.
2: Yes. So there are uh, health benefits uh, for us uh, as a peoples in this country. I mean, we've been disempowered... Um, for the past 230 years, and we are the original people of this country. We all know that. That's not fiction. That's fact. Um, and so, disempowerment. When you When you look at how, um, why, why Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people uh, have these appalling um, uh, rates of, uh, and you mentioned one. Overrepresentation in the uh, justice system, over-representation in the um, child protection system for our children. We're the worst on the planet. Um, uh, the life expectancy gap that still exists between Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal, even though we signed the original close-the-gap uh, statement of intent back in 2008, nothing's improved. Um... So by having this voice it does two things, it actually holds governments accountable for better outcomes. Now, you spoke earlier about um, uh, deaths in custody. We know 32 years ago that we had a Royal Commission, and a lot of money was spent on doing this Royal Commission, by the way, Royal Commission into Aboriginal Deaths in Custody. But it went nowhere. No-one implemented um, uh, that report and the recommendations in that report. And we, da- we didn't have a mechanism that could truly hold government accountable to, well, why wasn't it implemented? And why are we still seeing uh, Aboriginal people uh, in prisons, and, uh, and I might add, in prisons for crimes of poverty, why are they still dying in prison? Why are our people still dying in prison? So there are health benefits that come out of that because we can hold governments accountable. And this voice, this is the first time that we've ever had a voice to parliaments. Even ATIC when it was around, um, it, it reported to one minister one minister in the whole of Parliament. But this is a different um, ask. This is an ask that we have a voice to Parliament. It speaks at their table, the Parliament table. Um, so it has humongous health and well-being outcomes, um, not just holding government accountable. So why aren't we closing that line? Even today we know... All the, um, uh, all the efforts that we've put in to try and close that gap, why isn't it closing still today? Uh, and so this voice can say, well, why isn't it? What are we doing wrong? What do we need to change? Do we need to tweak this? And it's not just holding government's accountable. Oh. you know. That's the important thing. There are humongous benefits, but can you imagine the benefit of being, one, recognised in the Constitution as the First Peoples and, two, being listened to by governments uh, about matters that affect us as the First Peoples of this country. Can you imagine the power in that alone, the power of hope?
1: Do you... You know, and this is something that I don't think the mainstream media covers very much, Jill... Yeah. what do you think it would look like? I mean, I've interviewed elders that have said no to the referendum and yes to the referendum. Yes. And I don't actually discriminate. I like to put it all together and have unity with everybody. Yep. Rather than having people on one side saying yes and people on one side saying no.
2: We'd love that too.
1: You know, don't you think we need to have unity, auntie? You know, we and need to to sit down at the table and talk about what's happening to the mothers, what's happening to the families, people like yes. sorry to mention her name, but you know Veronica Nelson, you yes. know, Auntie Tanya, all those. Yes. And you know, what the mainstream media hasn't tackled is what can we do? What's that going to look like when I mean if the, 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 it's yes, and there's a referendum, say mm-hmm. someone dies in custody, how can that better First Nations people? What would that look like, the plan?
2: Well, that's that's what we haven't worked out yet. You know, what we... Uh, and, and, and understandably, because it's going to take a bit of time to work out. Mm. Uh, I mean, this voice is not going to talk on behalf of uh, Aboriginal people as individuals or as individual communities, what this voice is going to do is um, talk on behalf of the collective needs that we're all facing. Correct. Every state and territory faces um, um, Aboriginal deaths in custody, even still today. Every state and territory, we're still trying to close that life expectancy gap. Our children are still taken away at alarming rates in every state and territory. Um, So... Uh, you know we hear some of our own mobs saying, "Well, that voice doesn 't speak for me well no it doesn 't speak for Jill Gallagher either, but it speaks for the collective need of our communities um, and hold governments accountable so that 's yet to be worked out I mean um, I would see that this is my uh, this is only my view by the uh-huh. way yep. um, and, but I would imagine that it would be work like a productivity commission. Uh, it would be an Aboriginal Independent Productivity Commission um, that has resources to, one, evaluate and monitor and have access to data that government has access to. It would actually be able to say, well, um, these are the targets we need to set and this is what we need to... So, you know, it's it's a long... um, uh, It's hard to articulate in such a shorter time what this would look like. Just imagine, I'm assuming everyone knows what a Productivity Commission does, Uh Um, and and that is to look at and hold governments accountable for where they're failing. Well, this one too, but when you look at the Mainstream Productivity Commission, how many times has it dealt with Aboriginal issues? Very few times. Um, But this voice will have different standing, and it will have different access to Parliament. Um, so I think that's the power of it.
1: Absolutely. Um, and Yeah. It's, you know, and then, it, of course, and we did touch on this last time we spoke about, it, of course, there's treaty, and that would be, according to The Voice, that would be a state a state treaty, wouldn't it?
2: Um, well, it depends. Um, uh, of course it would. You wouldn't have a national treaty. Um, well, you might have what we're going to do here in Victoria, what we've ended up with. Is really good, so we're going to have some statewide asks. Um, whether you call that a statewide treaty, but I need to reinforce mm. that no one's private property is under threat in any way, shape, or form. That's Talk not what we're about. Talk to me about, about.
1: that. Yeah, that that's something that I get asked time and time again. And as I said, I I'm my um this show is really about. Talking about what concerns First Nations people, but we have to discuss the referendum. We can't leave it out. Tell me about this private property concept. Talk to me.
2: Well, you know, you you you, you know, when Native Title Act was first uh, came in, you had the um, media out there saying, oh, lock up your lock up your cattle and lock up your private lands. <laughs> it's under threat. Um, and that became a bit of a scare campaign. Um, and uh, it actually did a fair bit of damage. But, you know, Native Title's been around a bit. Treaty will kick off here for the first time ever in this country, Uh, and I can guarantee you private land is not on the agenda uh, in Victoria, uh, and nor will it be at a national level. You you know, you talk about human rights. Um, Human rights belongs to every human. Uh, no matter whether you're black or whether you're white. Um, So that would be breaching their human rights (laughs) if we try to take their property. And and nor do we want to. Um, uh, So that's not what treaties uh, are about, is infringing on other humans' rights. Uh, what treaty is about is acknowledging, and what the voice is about is acknowledging that we are the first peoples of this country, and we need to be recognised in the constitution as as that, and we also need to have that voice to parliament. That's how we're going to make change.
1: It's interesting, and I, I think I may have mentioned it on this show some weeks ago now, but uh, we I actually overheard a conversation. Down at the local shopping centre between two men, and one of them was saying, "Oh, Aboriginal people, um, when they had the right to vote, and now they want a referendum, I can't believe it."
3: <laughs>
2: you know, I heard um, I heard Noel Pearson give a talk um, the other the other day here in Melbourne, and um, he he the way he couched his talk was really quite amazing. He gave facts, facts, but at the end he talked about. How you know Australia is a multicultural country? We have a lot of Greek communities that have migrated here, Italians. We have a lot of Muslims, and you see you see them in the landscape. And um, uh, and he said, but you know those people have migrated here, and we welcome them because having a multicultural society is good for everyone. Um, and yet they have two homes, you know. They have Australia that they now call home, but they still have their mother country that they often talk about. And I heard someone in my office today talk about they want to go home to their country, which is uh, Italy. Uh Um, And that's good, but they've got two homes. Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people only have one. Yeah. And that's, that's this country. This is our home. We don't have another home to go to.
1: Although some Italian people are quite displaced because they had to leave, they had to leave everything behind and everything's gone. Yes.
2: of course I understand that, but they still have a, a country that they call Italy,
1: yes, is where, yes, they, yes.
2: where their culture comes from and where their roots come from.
1: True, but Aboriginal yeah. people are refugees in their own country.
2: Well, you can say that, yeah, but, um, you know, all we want is that recognition. Um, We're not saying we're any more important than any other culture or any other human being in this country, Um, but we're saying that we've had 230 years of crimes against humanity committed on our communities and our human rights were breached. For 230 years, our human rights have been breached. We now want to take our rightful place in this country.
1: I think this really concerned me in all the in, uh, a lot of, uh, while this referendum has been happening. And I'll be honest with you, I'm, I can't wait till it's over.
2: Yeah, me too.
1: I'll be honest. Uh, I feel like I have to be extremely careful when I'm on this show because there are many, many topics that yeah. we look at, and. I feel like I have to include all viewpoints. And one of the things that's really concerned me is the way that Aboriginal communities now, a lot of them are so divided. How can we stop that?
2: Well, I I actually don't think we can. Um, You know, we have Aboriginal people who don't trust governments. Uh, And by the way, I would say that would be the majority of Aboriginal people um but there are some who are also realistic and know that um uh how we need to move forward uh, in a modern world um uh, so um I don't think we're divided I think we have Good. different points of view uh and that's quite healthy yeah yeah to have that we you know to have that debate have that discussion and and I haven't seen. I haven't seen nasty discussions from our mobs, by the way. I've only seen nasty discussions from non-Aboriginal communities.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And I'm glad you've made me feel better. I'm really glad that that we're able to draw attention to that. Because, you know, I don't think... I just think that there has been some some division. I'm not saying that they're nasty. Yeah. You know, but there's been a little bit of disunity there. A bit of oh,
2: there's different 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 opinions. Mm. And surely we're allowed to have different opinions. Of course. Yeah, so there goes. Yeah. No,
1: I've just I've just heard heard elders comment commenting about it, Jill. That's yes, all. no, I agree.
2: I agree. You know. there are some uh, of our own mob, elders and young people, who have different opinions. But yeah. I always I always think um of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people support this. So we've got the, um, you know, um, we've got to go with what the majority want. And no one's come up with um, another way forward for us. I mean, we can't continue to accept those appalling statistics, can we? Mm,
1: No, I don't accept it. We have to try something, don't we? Absolutely. In particular now, because there are so... The, the white supremacists and the fascists are coming out now because of the yes. economy.
2: And we've got to... Exactly right. And So we've got to be careful too and we've got to protect ourselves. Um, but um, this voice is, is not going to do any damage to anyone. I don't know why people are so up in arms. We will not, as Aboriginal people, ever cede our sovereignty unless we sign a document that says we have. Mm. Uh, and I don't know of any Aboriginal person that's ever done that. Um, so, you know, the fears in our communities that mistrust, you know, the fear of ceding our sovereignty, we've never done it and we never will cede our never. sovereignty.
1: Never. Never. That's not going to compromise the sovereignty, surely?
2: No, it's not. No, under no circumstances.
1: Because sovereignty has never been ceded.
2: Exactly right, and and the same with if you know if we start seeing treaties being signed here in Victoria, which we will, um, that even doesn't cede your sovereignty. That's right. So um, yeah, but it's, it's scaremongering. It's you know some of our people have have just got so much trauma yes. and so much mistrust, uh, and then then there's also some of our people who generally don't think this is the right way to go because it's got no power um but i often believe that you don't have to have power to make change you just have you just have to sit around the power's table to make that change and that's the voice
1: well you know what it's a small thing but it it, it may turn into a big thing we don't know we actually don't know yes. no No, we don't. What was that? I said, no, we don't. I'm so glad that I've had you back on the show. I've just really enjoyed um, talking with you. Thank you. And I just wanted to know if there's any other comments you wanted to make before we finish.
2: Um, Look, there's not a lot of comments. I just want to talk to our people out there, our community. You know, um, we're not going to lose anything here. Um, uh we've got to try something different because whatever's we're doing now is not working. Um, and, you know, I really think this voice will make a difference. And we've got to start having faith in Aboriginal leaders too. Um, you know, Aboriginal leaders right across this continent uh, wouldn't intentionally go out and hurt us as Aboriginal people. Um, so... You know, we're doing our best to come up with ideas and this is the one that many people, Aboriginal people and Torres Strait Islanders, fed into. So um, get on board, mob, and help us out.
1: Actually, there is one more thing I wanted to talk to you about, Jill. Do you, do you have a couple more minutes?
2: Yeah, yeah, go for it.
1: And it's something that I, that I really wanted to know about and, and listeners too. I've spoken to to some elders that say have said no to the voice. And one of the things mm-hmm. that they've said is that there's been not enough consultation with Aboriginal leaders or with, Ab- mm-hmm. with all the elders in the clan. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think about that? Well, can I say, that'll,
2: that'll happen. The consultation on what it looks like will happen um, uh, in designing it. And so this is where we can say what we want our voice to look like. Um, uh, that's why we haven't designed it. Uh, that's why you haven't got the detail. Not yet. Not yet, but that's, that's to come. We've just got to get a successful referendum. Uh, and so elders will be consulted. Um, communities will be consulted. Um, right across Australia, not just in Canberra.
1: What I would like to see is justice and to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody and to build the movement to stop Aboriginal deaths in custody. Yes,
2: me too. I, oh. I'm totally with you there, 100%. 100%. And the way we do that is um, we need to make change to systems. When you look at the correctional system here in Victoria, it's pretty prehistoric. uh oh. Um, and, and I would say across the boards. Um, so we've got to change the system and the way people perceive us as Aboriginal people. We've got a lot to offer. We've got 65,000 years of wisdom and 65,000 years plus caring for this amazing country that now belongs to us all. Um, we can bring that wisdom to the table. We know the solutions. We know what we need to do. We just now need to be listened to in Parliament. You can't say the Aboriginal people, no disrespect to those Aboriginal people who are currently in Parliament, but they are bound by their party politics. Um, They try, you know, um, so... um, But this voice is independent of party politics, we don't want to be in the system that we're trying to change because if you're a part of it, then it's harder to change. But we want to still be outside the system, looking in and saying this is what needs to happen.
1: But the government doesn't have to listen, do they?
2: No, they don't have to listen, but it would be pretty, um, pretty shameful um, if they didn't. Um, And that would be um, because the world is watching what's happening in Australia. The world is watching. Uh, Over in New York, they actually had Australians over there protesting for yes. Mm. The whole world is watching what Australia does for the first people of this country.
1: I think we've got the worst human rights track record, actually.
2: Oh, of course we have. And so this is is Australia's chance to uh, be proud of their ancient culture, like the Greeks are are very proud of their ancient cultures and so are the Italians, very proud of their ancient culture. So are we. But all Australians should be proud of it. Uh, And we need a standing, we need a footprint on the international platform as well not just within Australia. Uh, uh, So you can shame them. You can shame them into, you know, if they're they're not going to listen to our voice, then that's where the shame factor comes in. This is where, you know, you can really put the pressure on. It's like any other political party, so to speak, where they can put pressure on, they can lobby, um, um, uh, and that's what we can do.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Jill, it's been great having you on the show, and I have um, I've so enjoyed your company. And I'm hoping I can have you back after the referendum. I'd love to. Thanks so much, Auntie. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. Rest up. Bye. Bye, bye. Every form of discrimination that exists in our
2: community is magnified and utilised by prisons to cause greater division and disarm solidarity.
1: We've got to really put a lens of perspective on this and know that there are children being incarcerated as young as 10 years old.
3: Police and prisons, they're doing exactly what this colony wants them to. Who do we
0: defend?
3: We. And who else? Prisons, pull them down! Yay. 3CR,
2: stay tuned, stay radical.
3: 3CR needs members to survive. By becoming a subscriber, you're helping us to remain fiercely independent and free of commercials and corporate influence. Are you a paid-up subscriber? It's just $40 concession, $80 waged, $150 for a band or organisation, and $300 solidarity.
0: Great value for 24-7 community-owned and community-controlled media. Please become a subscriber member today. Call the station on 03 9419 8377 or sign up online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. October is a month for all your country and Americana good times. Asleep at the Wheel, Thornby Theatre with Summer Dean on the 13th. Melissa Carper, Brunswick Ballroom on the 16th. Willie Watson at the Mimo Music Hall on the 19th. Thornby Theatre on the 20th. And Menian Town Hall on the 21st. Jenny Don't and the Spurs. The Pink Stones and the Burrs. Band play Brunswick Ballroom on the 12th. And the Barman Club Geelong on the 13th. All this and more this October. Love Police supports 3CR We know you love listening to 3CR But we also know that many of you Haven't downloaded the Community Radio Plus app yet The app lets you tune in anywhere And share the station with your friends So, show the love And share the love And search Community Radio Plus Wherever you get your apps
1: back with the Doin' Time show and we're nearing the end and I wanted to actually thank both Ian Rintel and also Arnie Jill for coming onto the show today and we made some really important connections with Ian in regards to the future of the 10,000 asylum seekers rejected under fast track or still waiting for a decision and that connection was made also from last week's interview where I interviewed some women, um, female asylum seekers, who were all together at a protest at Atherton Road in Oakley. And there's lots of events coming up. Um, So watch this space, have a look at the Refugee Action Collective in Victoria, go on their website, attend some of their meetings. There are meetings every week, every Monday night. And it's really important to draw attention to listeners that Labor recognises the flaws in the fast-track system introduced under Morrison, but has done absolutely nothing to rectify those flaws despite policy and the fast-track system has not been abolished, nor has Labor provided any systematic way to review the flawed decisions. And so whilst it's really welcome news, we do need to keep up the fight. To grant rights to asylum seekers and refugees, and then we interviewed Jill Gallagher who from Vacho, and she talked a lot about business in community and we discussed a lot of detail about Aboriginal deaths in custody and she talked about the voice as being one strategy to to be able to to help people, Aboriginal people, First Nations people. So thank you so much to Ian and Jill. It's approximately four fifty three and we're going to be going out pretty soon with our with our um, theme song Black Fellow, Whitefellow by the Rumpy Band. And stay tuned every Monday for the Doin' Time show from four to five. And it's goodbye from Marissa and thank you once again, to, all, to both of our guests. Oh, by the way, before I finish, I just wanted to announce that last song. And actually, I think it was the only song because our interviews were quite extended today and quite involved. But the song was actually called Sunrise and it was by No Fixed Address. No Fixed Address played recently, I believe, at Gasometer in Collingwood. And I'm really upset because I miss them. But, you know better luck next time it's approximately four fifty-four, and i'm out of here stay tuned every monday from four to five for the do in time show take care of each other bye
0: you've been listening to a 3cr podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3cr in melbourne australia